Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well. Because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments, so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce today's special guest. I'm happy to announce my first book is now in print. The title is Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. I've discovered 14 root causes of fatigue. I like to call them the fatigue factors. And in this book, I explain eight of the 14. I've had some amazing feedback on how easy it is to read and understand. It's not full of technical doctory language like most books written by doctors are. And of course, the book also includes my own personal fatigue story, along with four other stories from real fatigue cases from my private practice. It's available in paperback and Kindle form, so if you'd like a copy, you can find it on Amazon or on my website, www.drcarry.com. That's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. I'm very excited about this week's show because my special guest is someone that I greatly admire. Her name is Dr. Jill Carnahan. Let me tell you a little about Dr. Jill. She's actually a Midwest girl like myself. She received her medical degree from Loyola University School of Medicine in Chicago and her Bachelor of Science degree in Bioengineering at the University of Illinois. She's board certified in Family Medicine and Integrative Holistic Medicine. In 2006, Dr. Jill was voted by faculty to receive the Resident Teacher of the Year Award and elected to Central Illinois 40 Leaders Under 40. In 2010, she founded Flatiron Functional Medicine in Boulder, Colorado, where she practices functional medicine. Dr. Jill is also a 10-year survivor of breast cancer and Crohn's disease and is passionate about teaching patients how to live well and thrive in the midst of complex and chronic illness. She is also committed to teaching other doctors how to address the underlying cause of illness rather than just treating the symptoms through the principles of functional medicine. Dr. Jill, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you so much, uh, Carrie, for that lovely introduction. I am just delighted to be here, and I share your passion for functional medicine. So thank you for having me. So, Dr. Jill, can you tell our listeners how did you get involved in functional medicine? Absolutely. Um, and if you don't mind, Carrie, I might share just really briefly my own journey in just a couple minutes because it so drives what I do. I was uh, in medical school third year at 25 years old and found a lump in my breast 
and very shortly after they found out I had very uh, aggressive, invasive breast cancer, which in young women, it's almost a totally different disease. It has a different set of characteristics, and usually most women don't survive at that age. So I knew I was battling for my life, and I had gone into medicine looking for answers as far as root cause and how nutrition prevents disease, and I was actually wanting to do functional medicine, but at that time I didn't even know that it existed, and I didn't know what it was caused are called. So I was searching for this thing called functional medicine. And uh, through my own illness, I kind of found out what that was and what it meant. During my, um, I had very conventional radiation chemotherapy surgery, but I also did a full blend of functional medicine. I looked at my genetics. I looked at my nutritional status. I saw a, a spiritual uh, pastor and had prayer and all kinds of other things besides just conventional treatment. And about nine months later, I was uh, uh, considered in remission. And so that was really exciting. And again, through my own journey, facing death with cancer, I found how important it was to look at things from a holistic perspective, looking at root cause and understanding the causes of illness and treating that rather than just treating the symptoms. So the way you're thinking is very different from a typical family doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that I'm trained. And in fact, I thought a lot and uh, long and hard about when I um, looked at schools, I actually looked at acupuncture school. I looked at traditional Chinese medical. I looked at chiropractic. I looked at osteopathic. And I really felt when the options were all presented and I was able to be accepted into the allopathic system, that that was my best um, way of getting into the system basically infiltrating <laughs> and uh, and really making change from the inside. And obviously, allopathic medicine has a place. It has a phenomenal yes. foundation. We need it for trauma. We need it for emergencies. We need it for serious infections. And I embrace that wholeheartedly. But what we found is there's limitations to that conventional um, practice and that conventional thinking when it comes to chronic illness. And we are faced with hundreds of thousands and even millions of patients who are getting chronic illness like obesity, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and our conventional system just doesn't have all the answers. So I feel like, as you do too, I know our toolbox is just expanded. So we not only have drugs and surgery, but we've got a lot better options for some of these chronic illnesses. And that's looking at the root cause, treating nutritional imbalances, looking at the biochemistry, and looking at the gut, which I know we're going to talk more about today. Yeah, so today I wanted you to tell our listeners about autoimmune diseases. So you had suffered with uh, Crohn's, and that's just one autoimmune disease, but can you tell us, our listeners, about the different autoimmune diseases that are out there and how actually a lot of it relates to our intestines and our gut? Absolutely. And this gets me so excited because I've healed from cancer and Crohn's disease and, again, really looking at root causes. So basically, so let's start with autoimmune disease. Autoimmune basically means your body begins to think of self as dangerous. Our immune system is based on the fact that we recognize things that are strangers and dangerous. So infections like microbes and parasites and viruses. And that's how we are protected from these kinds of things. But what happens with autoimmune disease is our body gets confused. And there's things uh, like molecular mimicry, which is a very big term that just means our body starts to think there's a um, bug that it starts to attack and then it can actually mimic our own tissues and so our immune system, instead of attacking the bug or the infection, will start to t attack our own tissues. In my case, personally, with Crohn's disease, this is uh, an attack on the mucosal lining of the intestines. So you can have lesions that are like ulcers all over your entire um 
from mouth all the way down in the intestines and suffers weight loss, malabsorption. For me, I had cyclical high fevers every 24 hours and, and lots of pain and inflammation and fatigue. And all of these things are related to the immune system getting confused and attacking. Now, Crohn's is just one of many, many, many autoimmune diseases. And if we were to put them all in one bundle, it's the fourth leading cause of morbidity in the United States. So it's a really big deal. The problem is they're all scattered. So you talk about things like rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease where the body attacks the joints. And you talk about things like multiple sclerosis, which the body attacks the nerve and spinal cord. Um, things like ulcerative colitis, which is also like an intestinal attack. And then we have Sjogren's, which is um, mucosal linings in the mouth and eyes where the dryness occurs. And there's many, 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 many others. Um, lupus is a big one for a lot of people. And they're often treated by different specialties and, um, and different uh, medical sections. And because of this, they're not really categorized as one. But there's, this is just a huge, huge amount of patients that suffer from these diseases. Now, in the literature, in the research, there's been a lot of interest lately about all of the bugs, all of the bacteria that are living inside of us and how that influences so many different areas of our health. So can you talk about that for our listeners? Yes. Um, so think about this. The dysfunction of the immune system and autoimmune disease almost always happens along the gut lining at the beginning. And the reason for this is there's about 80% of the immune system that lines our gut. So we have a majority of our immune tissue, this tissue that's basically like our armed forces. So our army and navy and, and those um, coastal guard that basically protects us. And this lines our gut because if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Our gut tube is the tube that interfaces with our outside environment. So this is protecting us by basically always checking. I think of it personally, my brain is a little Pac-Man that are always sampling things that come into our tube and uh, checking, hey, is this okay? Is it safe or is it not safe? Because of this, we, ha we have about 400 trillion uh, intestinal bugs that are also in our gut. So they coexist with us. Most of us don't even know it or realize it. And there's more bugs in our gut than there are cells in our body. So it's a huge amount of, of influence over our systems. And these bugs in our gut, if they are a healthy population, they can determine health or disease. Or if they start to get imbalanced, we get overgrowth of the wrong types of bacteria. We get yeast in a weakened immune state or we get a parasite infection or any number of types of imbalances, these types of imbalances will actually influence the immune system in a negative way. And this is where autoimmune disease always begins. The important thing is there's really three pieces of any autoimmune disease. And this is the case with you name the autoimmune disease, you're going to find this to be the case. Number one is genetic predisposition. So someone has, they're born with a susceptibility Genetically, you can thank your parents um, to be susceptible to an autoimmune response. And this is something called HLA. HLA are the little Pac-Man. So those are the little samplers. And if you have abnormal genetics in the HLA department, your little Pac-Man, your little samplers will get confused or may get confused in the right circumstances and start to attack self. So genetics is number one. Number two is an environmental trigger. And this could be infection. It could be toxins. It could be stress. Um, but most of these start to happen in the gut with an imbalance of those bugs that line our gut. Um, it could be toxic exposure, like things we ingest, like artificial dyes and food colorings, things like that. Or it could be environmental toxins outside of the gut as well. 
And we know from studies that stress can actually affect our microbial populations. We know that high stress and different neurotransmitters that go along with stress, like dopamine and norepinephrine, can actually change the gut bug population. So this environmental trigger piece, which is number two, is usually happening in the gut. Number three is absolutely related to the gut, and that's something called intestinal permeability, or also known as leaky gut. So your listeners may have heard that term. And Dr. Alessio Fasano has shown us in the research that this really exists, and it does happen. And it's basically, when I'm talking to patients, I'm thinking about these little tiles, like your bathroom tiles that line the gut, and the grout in between these tiles becomes dissolved or permeability. Um, becomes a problem. And so what happens is the contents that should stay in your gut that contain all those microbes start to leak in. And there's just really about one cell layer between your gut lumen or that tube and your bloodstream and the immune system. And because of that, if that grout um, dissolves and you lose that grout between your tiles, then those bugs start to crawl into the bloodstream and into the immune system. And this is where this can also stimulate immune dysfunction and lead to autoimmunity. So just to review, we got the genetics is number one, the environmental trigger, and the leaky gut. So again, autoimmune disease is often occurring at the beginning along the gut. So Dr. Jill, can you talk more about leaky gut? Because that's a huge part of autoimmune disease. Absolutely. And I'm sure you talk to your patients too, but this is one of the reasons why I am so strong on my advice to get off gluten if you have an autoimmune disease and if you have other food allergies to test and treat. The most common, if you don't have the money to test, would be dairy and sugar, corn and soy, um, sometimes alcohol or yeast. So you want to check and see what foods are triggers. The reason that's important and why Carrie, Dr. Carrie asked me to talk about leaky gut is because um, this is an underlying commonality or thing that occurs in all autoimmune diseases. And what leaky gut is, again, is this basically there's a little trap door. And again, our, our dear Dr. Fasano discovered this for us several years ago called zonulin. Zonulin, I think that a little trap door between the two tiles that have lost their grout and opens and closes and causes these uh, bugs and intestinal contents to actually leak into the bloodstream and wreak havoc on the immune system. So this zonulin we know is triggered by gluten. And this is triggered by gluten even in the person who does not have celiac, who does not even have gluten sensitivity. He showed, he, uh, in the research, he actually showed that majority of people, um, up to five hours after consumption of gluten will have this um, altered permeability for a short time. Now, in a healthy individual, it may not be that big a deal because so what if they have a little altered permeability for a couple hours after a meal, then it closes back up and there's no problem. But for people who are susceptible or already have an autoimmune disease, this permeability issue can, number one, last a lot longer than a few hours, and number two, allow those contents of the gut to leak in. And one of the important pieces of this leaky gut and why it's such a bad thing is that those bacterial coatings, so it's like big furry coats that the bacteria wear, those are called LPS. And that LPS is a huge potent trigger for inflammation, which underlies a lot of chronic diseases, and for this autoimmunity. So if that trapdoor zonulin opens up, those bacteria with their heavy fur coats leak into the immune system, and those fur coats stimulate inflammation. And again, that's called LPS. This can be a really big problem. So one of the core things that I know Dr. Carey and I both agree on is we've got to heal the gut. And I don't know about you, Dr. Carey, but I usually start with patients on the gut. We assess it, and then we try to start treating 
these issues because if you don't have a healthy gut and a healthy gut population, then you're very likely to develop a disease like cancer or autoimmunity. Absolutely, Dr. Jill. We are thinking 100% alike on this. Yeah. And so, again, for our listeners, if you have an autoimmune disease or if you know somebody that has an autoimmune disease, Dr. Jill outlined the, the three things that are necessary for the development of an autoimmune disease. That's one, the genetics. Two is an environmental trigger. And three is a leaky gut. So you had said that we could have food sensitivities like gluten that can cause a leaky gut, and then the bacteria, the LPS, can cause a leaky gut. Are there any other causes for leaky gut? Yes. So very, very common. People don't know it, but if you're a listener out there and you think that gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation is normal, I can't tell you the number of patients that are in their 40s or 50s that said, you know what, I always thought that it was normal to go to the bathroom once a week or twice a week. I always thought it was normal to go to the bathroom five or six times a day and have loose stools. That was just me. That's not normal, and that's not just you. That means there's a problem in the gut. And those are all signs and symptoms of something called SIBO, S-I-B-O. And this is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Now, there's many, many, many other causes of disturbances in these microbes in the gut. But this is one I see very, very commonly. And again, the typical symptoms would be gas and bloating. Most of the time, it presents with looser stools like diarrhea. So a lot of patients will be diagnosed with IBS, um, irritable bowel syndrome, and just told, oh, you just have to live with that. That's your diagnosis. We don't really know what causes it, but it's nothing serious. That's not true. Um, there is a subset of people who present with gas, bloating, and constipation. So you may have constipation or diarrhea. And uh, typically foods that are higher in starch and higher in uh, fructose and things like that, fermentability of foods. So things like um, corn chips or sugar or um, breads might might uh, trick someone off to have these symptoms. What the bacterial overgrowth is, is basically our uh, intestines were made to handle a lot of bacteria in the colon. That's where the majority of all of those good species like Lactobacillus and Bifidobacter should reside. But what can happen is we can start to get overgrowth of these same species. These are not infections, remember. These are actually just normal microbes, but they're in the wrong spot, and there's way, way too many of them. And what happens is if they occur in the small bowel, that food uh, that's coming out of the stomach into the small intestine gets fermented by these bacteria and contributes to gas and bloating. And that um, lining at the small intestine is not meant to handle this load of gas and toxins. So people will feel bloated, they'll feel gassy, they will feel either diarrhea or constipation, and those um, toxins will pass over, again, the, the gut lining like we talked about, and the bloodstream takes them to the liver, and the liver tries to filter it out. That's like our car filter, our oil filter in our car, and the liver gets overloaded too. So this usually leads to not only bowel symptoms, but increase in toxicity and an inability for the liver to handle all that load that's coming out of the gut. So uh, patients tend to not feel well. They could have fatigue. They could have brain fog which who thought would be connected to the gut, but it is. Um, and this bacterial overgrowth can really be a problem for people. So uh, if you have gas and bloating, constipation, or diarrhea, you really want to see a functional doctor like Dr. Carey or myself and find out what's going on in the gut and if this is the case. Um, one other thing I'll mention with that is sometimes on top of SIBO or in someone who's got kind of a weakened immune system, you can also have a yeast overgrowth. And typically I see these two occur together at times. So um, that would typically present with sometimes uh, rashes, psoriasis, um, cravings for sweets, uh, bloating, 
especially with females and hormones. Hormones can exacerbate this, so they might have a really bad week of cravings and bloating and diarrhea and sweet cravings right around the time of their period. So these are just a few of the imbalances that can occur. So Dr. Jill, I'm sure our listeners are thinking right now, how do I know if I have SIBO? How do I get tested for that? And how would I get tested for yeast overgrowth? And how would I get tested for leaky gut? Great question. So if you are able to see a functional doctor, that is by far your best bet because typically we will order tests like organic acids in the urine, which show markers of these bacteria and yeast in the urine that are from the gut. Um, or we'll order stool testing or both. And the stool testing will actually determine the exact population of gut bugs that you have, if there's any parasites, if there's any yeast. So some of the specialty functional tests are really essential. However, not everybody can afford to go or find, or maybe in your area you don't have anybody who practices functional medicine. So the poor man's test of uh, SIBO would be, um, you can just Google FODMAPS, F-O-D-M-A-P-S diet. F-O-D-M-A-P-S, FODMAPs. These are the foods that tend to trigger the most symptoms in someone who has SIBO. And if you go out and you spend 24 hours, you eat off that high FODMAPs list, and you have terrible, terrible abdominal symptoms, there's a pretty good likelihood you have either SIBO, SIBO, or yeast overgrowth, or both. So you can actually do that yourself. And one of the ways you can start with treatment is just by looking online for that FODMAPs and start to eliminate those foods. This is why I'm sure, again, Dr. Carey might agree, but a lot of my patients with um, chronic illness and autoimmune diseases, I will immediately take them off sugar, off grains, off gluten, off dairy, because those are common, common triggers for intestinal imbalances of all types. And that tends to take people, not everybody has to completely eliminate grains, but especially gluten, corn, soy, some of those things are really important. So Dr. Jill, for our listeners out there, I'll make sure that in our podcast notes, I put a link to the FODMAPS diet so that they can find that easily. So you're giving our listeners such great information. So at this point then, how do we heal a leaky gut? Oh, yes. Got to talk about the solution to the problem, right? Um, and I do want to, real quick before I talk about healing, mention, you might not know it, but if you have rosacea, if you have had chronic unexplained iron deficiency or B12 deficiency or vitamin D, some fat-soluble vitamin deficiencies, if you have had multiple food allergies or even environmental allergies that have gotten worse, if you've had um, weak, peeling, cracking fingernails, um, if you've had um, eczema or psoriasis, these are all symptoms that you might want to think about looking at your gut because most of those are connected to an unhealthy gut. Okay, so healing. How do we heal a leaky gut? Well, First of all, you must determine the imbalance that's going on because you really can't just throw probiotics at this until you know what the imbalance is and you take care of that. And probiotics are wonderful. I use them in very uh, large percentage of my patients. But for example, if a patient has SIBO, they may actually do worse on a probiotic like lactobacillus because they already have too much of that lactobacillus in the small bowel. So you have to be careful and talk to your functional expert about um, what to do in this case. The very first thing is getting rid of the bad. So what you have to start with is identifying what the problem is. And uh, I would say the first step is diet. And if you don't know what's going on or, again, don't have the ability to get tested, the best way you could start that helps the most amount of people is a paleo style of diet. Um, and this would, again, be getting rid of gluten for sure. And most people do better on a, a lower grain in general, and especially those processed flours and things. So your um, crackers, cookies, donuts, pastas, pizzas, get rid of it. Um, you want whole food with no labels at all. And lean towards the healthy, um, either 
get pastured organic types of uh, meats or don't eat them at all. And then lots of vegetables, lots of fruits that are um, low FODMAPs if you suspect SIBO. And then nuts and seeds are a great alternative for protein. And you can do those pretty freely for most patients. Once you determine the microbial imbalances, Dr. Curie and I will both usually use um, herbs or in my case, sometimes I use medications. For uh, SIBO, there's a medication on the market called Zyfaxin with an X, and it tends to be really good for SIBO. I prefer to use herbs if possible, but some people have had this so long and it's been so severe that antibiotics are really the best route. And if we do that, we protect by making sure they have um, good bacteria like probiotics on board and that we're doing it for the shortest amount of time. Many, many herbs will treat um, SIBO or yeast, oregano, caprylic acid, garlic, um, undelisaic acid, um, neem. There's many, many, many options out there. And we'll just, depending on the patient and their tolerance and their specific combination of bugs, we'll pick the best combination for them to treat. So once you get rid of the bad, then you have to repopulate with good guys. And again, that would be the right probiotic for the patient. And there's not one size fits all here either, because some people do great on a lactobacillus and bifidobacter combo. And some patients need more of a spore former like bacillus coagulans or something along those lines. Patients with SIBO do tend to do better off the lactobacillus and on a uh, spore-forming probiotic. So you got to put that in. And the studies show that you only get the benefit of the probiotic while you're taking it. So you can't just take it. And it's not really like if you're planting seeds in a garden and then it grows and you can stop taking it. About two weeks after the cessation of a probiotic, you lose the benefit. So people who have gut issues may want to be indefinitely on a probiotic. Um, if there's inflammation, you can use things that heal the gut lining, and this would be, again, second or third step after getting rid of the bad microbes. That could be things like L-glutamine, aloe, deglycerized licorice, um, and just healing foods like healthy fats and uh, quality proteins and those kinds of things. Um, organic ghee from a pastured source is a wonderful gut healing thing, and it contains butyric acid, which is really important for those healthy gut microbes to thrive. So these are just a few of the things of how you would start to heal that leaky gut. And then once the leaky gut is healed, how do we maintain that healthy gut bacteria? Yes, uh, so important because a lot of patients, well, diet is, diet is number one. And you cannot get around changing the diet and probably making permanent changes. And so many patients want to say, okay, can I do this for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days? And then when can I go back to my favorite foods? What I like to do is teach patients the connection on how food makes them feel. And usually the light bulb goes on around 30, 60, 90 days and they'll have a, you know, weekend with the girls and they'll have wine and they'll have gluten and they'll have pizza and they feel rotten. And I actually love when patients have that experience, not because I want them to feel bad, but because when they connect with the food choices that I make affect how I feel and they decide themselves, not me telling them what to do, but they decide, you know what? It's not worth it. When I eat pizza and beer, I feel so awful and my brain is foggy. I have such gas and bloating. I don't want to feel like that ever again. 
And I know in my personal journey, I have chosen that food is healing. It's the number one thing I did to heal from cancer and Crohn's. And people ask me, well, do you do like the 90% or the 80% that we hear about on the radio? No, I do 100%, maybe even 110%. I am absolutely vigilant about what I put in my body. And I don't miss a single food that I've given up because I feel so well. And I think when patients kind of that clicks and they decide for themselves. And again, if they decide to go out and have something that doesn't agree with them, that's okay. It's not that there's any judgment, but it's um, their choice, and they know that the ramifications of doing that, they may not feel well. If you have major gut imbalances, if you have a leaky gut, if you have autoimmune disease, this is not a 80 or 90% thing. It's probably lifelong, and these changes may need to be permanent. And that's, although it's hard, it's so worth it when you feel great, when you have energy and you don't have the brain fog. So most patients, like I said, I want them to kind of find that for themselves and I would say that food is the number one thing that patients need to do. Dr. Jill, you have given our listeners such amazing information today and, and such hope. How can they find out more about you? Oh, thank you, Carrie. Uh, well, my website is just my name, Jill Carnahan, C-A-R-N-A-H-A-N.com. If you go there, there is an option to sign up for my free newsletter. I would love for you to connect with me that way. I will send out um, monthly blog articles and lots of great content. And if you do that, you get a free, I've got a great snack guide because I know eating clean can be hard to find portable, healthy snacks. And you'll get that if you sign up. But of course, that's optional. Um, and then, of course, Facebook, Flatiron Functional Medicine is my clinic. And you'll find me there on Facebook. So I'll make sure that those links are in our podcast notes. And I also wanted to ask you, weren't you part of the Hashimoto Summit? I sure was. Um, I, I've uh, burned all of those uh, interviews to uh, CD. So I listen to them when I'm driving in the car to the office every day. And, and uh, I, I do remember your interview. It was fantastic. Oh, thank you. So appreciate it. And I just am delighted to be here with you and all the good stuff that you're doing and sharing and Anyone listening, I really encourage you to connect with Dr. Carrie and get her book. I'm going to go out as soon as we're done and, and get my copy. Oh, thank you, Dr. Jill. This has been such an awesome interview. Thank you for being my special guest today. You are welcome. Have a great day. All right. That wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Jill Carnahan. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.